1: You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction.
3: And
2: now, we go into the thick of it.
1: Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh.
2: Erin Addison's
1: on American Family Radio. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B is over in Studio CC and we want to kind of um, just continue on with what we were talking about yesterday
2: mm-hmm.
1: and maybe just as we do as kind of our custom, expand the conversation just a little bit, yeah. uh, carry over, uh, recap somewhat, but just also expand the conversation. Because, you know, the more that we pray about these things and the more we talk about these things that we see happening um, in the culture and we get the response from our listening audience um, it is confirmed for us that there's just a huge burden that parents right. and as we heard yesterday, grandparents right. are feeling um, at the state of our culture. And so it is troubling to me, but it is also encouraging, Will. And mm-hmm. the encouraging part is that we all are seeing it. Mm-hmm. Many of us see mm-hmm. it. You know, yeah. so that is encouraging. Yeah, It's troubling because we don't have... Um, as many points of contact as I think we should in the body of Christ to encourage one another yeah. and um, to offer the kind of help. Um, I'm talking practical, yes. you know, tangible help yes. that people will need to do the things that God's calling them to do. I don't think the body of Christ is supposed to be that way. In fact, again, mm. I, you know, as I'm looking through. Um, the book of Ephesians, I, my intent was to do some other things with the ladies in our fellowship, Mm -hmm. but the Lord just keeps tugging my heart in a different direction as I'm reading through Ephesians. And
4: Mm -hmm.
1: this is going to sound weird. I'm trying not to study Ephesians (laughs) because I, because I'm (laughs) studying through Galatians, but I just keep getting pulled. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm trying to just read and, you know, but there, it's just hard to, um, Anyway, it's hard to not dig out stuff in the Word of God, right? Like, you know, um, anyway, so the point that I'm making here is that we have all been given gifts in the body. I was looking at Ephesians this morning, mm-hmm. and um, I was struck by how when Paul starts out writing to the Ephesians, um, well, in chapter four specifically, Um, When he starts writing in chapter four, we know it's no division, but in this particular section, you know, he's talking about unity in the body of Christ Mm -hmm. and, you know, um, keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And then he makes this transition where he says that each one of us have been given these specific gifts. Mm. And it's interesting to me that we have these gifts and, and you can see a purpose there. It's just, I mean, it's amazing. It's almost like the scriptures, um, you know, have dual authorship. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's almost like it's written by man and also by the Holy Spirit. Right. And um, because you see this um, this thought that beautifully kind of comes together and just is a thread that just kind of runs through as Paul's talking about unity and he's talking about the function of the body he's talking about how or he writes about how we all have these different gifts Mm -hmm. and how these gifts when come together or brought together function to build up the body Yeah. yeah so the body Paul specifically writes the body is built up or builds itself up in love Mm. and so i'm thinking about this as i'm going through and i'm and i'm going whoa man you know satan has done um a remarkable job of creating disunity of dividing Mm. us so that we cannot each bring our gifts and build the body up right Mm. we are not able to meet each other's needs because we are so disjointed we're not operating in unity. Yeah. And then you think about what we've been talking about in recent years, um, you know, the whole move to divide simply based over the hue of one's uh, skin. Right. Right. Oh, my goodness. It's, yeah. it's just incredible. The job that has been kind of worked over on the Lord's bride. And, and we shouldn't just tolerate that. You know, mm-hmm. we should be vigilant and we should be holding the line. But getting back to what we were talking about yesterday, as this pertains to defending and protecting our kids, mm-hmm. um, today's topic is really just more of the same. The encouragement is this, and I'm going to say it simply, and uh, and then we'll go back because I know well you and I wanted to kind of bat about our sister's question that kind of ended the show yesterday. The grandparent, grandmom, right. who called in, and boy, could you just hear her heart? You know, you could just yeah. hear. Her, um, the concern you could hear the passion the love for her grandkids yeah. and um i i would put that in the category of being the real MPV, mvp mvp yeah. sorry i always do that
2: <laughs>
1: i do that Most with the kids play.
2: yeah you do why do i always want <laughs> to reverse those letters the letters mixed up yeah
1: anyways that's well, what I it's going to become your well, thank you <laughs> that's all i can ask <laughs> that's that's why i stick with what i know i don't do sports um but anyway she's in that category of yes. being The MVP. (laughs) Yikes. It's not that difficult. Um, But here's the thing. Here's Mm -hmm. the encouragement to parents. Right. And this is what we continue to drive home when we do this show. Uh, When we talk about marriage, we talk about family. Um, We must work harder than we have ever worked before. Mm. And that is not so much encouraging <laughs> as it is like, oh, really? Because yeah. I already feel like I'm doing so much. Yeah. Well, the encouragement and the call is to do more because everything that we're doing as parents, as grandparents, right, as we await the return of the Messiah, mm-hmm. I was thinking about that this morning, too. Like, we don't talk about that much anymore. You know, it's just we've lost sight of what we're doing, that we are occupying until the Lord returns, that we are making gains, the gains for his kingdom, not for our own personal kingdoms. Yeah. But the gains for his kingdom, we're doing that until he returns. And then at which point we are accountable for that with which we've been entrusted. Right. We don't think about that either. There's just so much. But here is the here is the encouragement um, we've got to work harder than we've ever worked before.
4: Mm. We,
1: we just have to do the things that we took for granted. Um, were somehow all going to work out or come out in the wash as they would say, mm. you know, we, we can't operate that way. We've got to be intentional. We've got to be strategic. And, and I was just thinking about some of the things that, that really matter, you know, <laughs> what are the things that matter? Well, we could sum it up in one word, everything, Everything matters. Everything matters. You know, we we used to have a focus where we'd say, you know, at this particular age, we'll begin talking to our kids about this. And then we'll talk to our kids about that. And and you had all of these, you know, but everything matters because you no longer have even this... um, for lack of a better word, almost like this gestational period for kids where everybody agreed those kids- you don't that age group is off limits, you know what I mean yeah, like yeah. you didn't you didn't have to worry about like say your four year olds your five year old six right. seven maybe even on up to ten you know you you felt like you know there's a nice little nest that exists, and yeah. the culture respects that yeah it's it's you know much that, it's much different
2: yeah. now, like and I think that's one thing we have to get over in our minds that is not the same as when. Maybe when we grew up That's or, right. you know, I I was actually talking to someone today, this morning, and they, they said that, you know, well, I made it, you know, through, you know, mm. fine and everything. And I said, man, <laughs> it's different. It's yeah. different now. Just yeah. think about, I said, when you watch cartoons when you were a kid, did you ever have to have them scream for having two dads or two moms? Come on. Come it's on, like, man. No, man, no. No. I said, man, it's, it's different. Like, it's set before them. Things are set before them that we didn't have to deal with. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, we were living in an environment of purity where there was nothing, but, man, the stakes are higher. They have, they are grabbing more and more. So it's it's a different ball game, and we have to treat it that way if we're still thinking, well, you know, well, I made it through. Man, mm-hmm. it's going to take much more than that. Yeah,
1: that's right. Everything matters. We have to work harder than we've ever worked. Our conversations matter. You've got yeah. to be way more intentional. Um, you can't just, you know, have your kids... On autopilot, you can't have your relationship with your kids or your grandkids Mm. on autopilot. You can't assume some of the basic things that we once assumed about a kid, even a kid who is attending church with you um, on any given Sunday in the United States of America. You cannot assume some things that once i guess maybe were basic assumptions mm-hmm. uh all viewing matters yeah all viewing whatever it is that your kid is watching matters and and i i would say this if you have not been able to vet the program right mm-hmm. um and if your kids don't have a proven track record
4: mm-hmm.
1: of trustworthiness mm-hmm. then this is going to sound really harsh i know Mm-hmm. They probably should not be viewing in your absence programs yeah. Yeah. on any type of device. Now, look, this is because the question that we get, and this is what I'm speaking to in case people are like, what is Miki ranting about today? Here's what Mickey's ranting about. The question is what do we do? Mm-hmm. How do we stop this? How do we how do we turn this around? How, how do we, you know, how do we stop the hemorrhage? I call it a hemorrhage. Um, we look at people, kids who are leaving the church. And so what I'm saying today is we've got to work harder than we've ever worked, and everything matters. So our conversations matter, our viewing matters, okay? What it is that we view, what it is that we allow our kids to view. Listen, if you've got kids, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, OK, if you've got kids who have televisions in their bedrooms, who have personal devices in their hands that that you've pegged as theirs. <laughs> right. So they feel a sense of ownership. Right. You know what I mean? Like they you know, I'll just tell you, like so in the Addison household, um, you know, and, and we try we try not to be, you know, man, you know, you don't want to exhaust your kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you want to be reasonable. But we we try to trust our kids as they show trustworthiness. Exactly. Now and listen, that's different
2: for each. That child is different for each kid. At different and, levels, you know. And
1: and if we cannot trust you, we will tell you, hey, mm-hmm. I don't feel I can trust you with that.
2: Right.
1: And now there are some parents who are like, oh no, but you want why? why? Why am I going to lie to you? <laughs> right. Why am I going to lie to you? Right. And and you and you need to understand that trust is earned. So don't, so think twice about violating that trust.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if
1: we have certain parameters that we set forth and we say, this is what can be viewed. This is what cannot be viewed. Any new um, content creators, all right. Mm -hmm. That we have not vetted. You're not allowed to watch them. Yeah. So what happens if you're found watching a content creator that you've not submitted for vetting guys, I'm serious. And the thing is, I am serious about
2: this. The thing too, is that, Sometimes there'll be tense moments because you you'll see something and you're like, what is that? Like, you yeah. Know, and it's all. It, and it may seem to the child like, man, you're always checking on what I'm watching. That's yes, right. I am. That's
1: right. You know, so yep. if you,
2: you see something, you hear something out of line. You're like, OK, what, what is this show? Like, That's right. I, I know. I ask that question. I get this feeling sometimes that they feel like, "Oh, this is another one we can't watch." But yeah. I'm like, "Man, are you
1: gonna take it away?"
2: Right? I just want to yeah. know. I want to be able to understand what's going on, you know, and 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 see what they're talking about. What you know, I think is that important, and so. Mm-hmm. You know, at that point, you got to get override that feeling of feeling like, man, oh man, I don't want to be the Debbie Downer. Man, look. And,
1: and, and let <laughs> me tell you, you do it a few times, you get a few of the groans, mm-hmm. you get a few eye rolls, you get a few of the, the sighs, and you get used to it and yeah, you keep going. You,
2: you got it. And, and let going. me tell
1: you why. And, and this is because it, here's the deal parents are installed as parents. You mm-hmm. understand? We have a position that has been entrusted to us. Right. Like you. And and we don't think of it this way because it's like, ah, you know, I'm going to have a baby. You know, so people, we, we remove from it the sobriety that it rightly carries, mm-hmm. that you are somebody's parent. And more so than that, you are a Christian. You are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord has seen fit to give you children, whether those are your biological children or you have adopted these children into your family, mm-hmm. however it is, or you're fostering these kids. The Lord has entrusted you with these children. Mm-hmm. So when you look at them, you should not be looking at them as like just, you know, you know, oh, this is how my legacy continues on. There is a legacy that must continue. Yeah. But yours is secondary to the primary legacy. Yeah. That passing on the gospel must be our first, foremost aim, right? Here is why many parents feel that they cannot put parameters in place to protect their children even when they realize that it's time to do it, even when they realize that "Mm, this is not going to be the best thing for them. You know why we hesitate? You know why we don't do it? Because of external cultural influence, because our kids are influenced and they want things that the culture says, this is what you should desire. So when we move in, we position ourselves to do what we have been positioned to do. That is parent. We feel incapable of doing it because Oh, man, how can I tell my kid that she can't be on TikTok when all of her friends are on TikTok? Mm. How do I say you're not old enough to have a phone that has data on it? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. How can I how can I say that when all of her friends have phones? Or worse still, how can I say that when she spends so much time outside of my presence? Mm. We have to stop parenting from behind.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Parenting is automatically a position of leadership. Automatically, it's a position of leadership. You got to parent from that place. All right, Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. That's Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I'm Miki.
2: And I'm Will, and that's Todd Delaney with Fall in Love Again.
1: Sherry B. is over in Studio CC. We'll be taking your calls in the last segment, so stick around for that. Um, just thinking through uh, our call from our sister mm-hmm. who uh, called us in, the, I want to say, the last few minutes of the yeah, show. Yeah. As a grandparent, grandmother, a single grandmother, um, raising her two grandchildren, And, um, you know, that's one of those calls that just kind of will stay with you. You're thinking about that because I think the questions are legitimate. Yes. You know, what is it that I should be doing? Yes. And, um, you know, first of all, as I alluded to yesterday, Mm -hmm. or as I said outrightly, Mm -hmm. we need to be praying. We need Mm -hmm. to ask the Lord to give us the wisdom we need to equip our kids to stand in this culture. Mm -hmm. The other thing that stood out to me about our sister's call yesterday was, and I may not be quoting her verbatim, but I seem to remember her saying, I'm scared to death um, to release them out into this culture, like to let them out. Like, I'm, I'm scared to death. Like, what will happen to them? And what's going to go on? Um, can I tell you now? I want to say this because we alert people a lot. We read way more information than we share on this program. Let me tell you. <laughs> OK, we 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 consume way more information than we share on this program. hmm. And even with all of that, let me tell you this. And I'm saying this to you. With, look, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I am not afraid about what will happen to our kids in this culture. Not at all. Amen. And let me tell you why. Because I know Jesus. Amen. I know Jesus. I know that God is sovereign. I know that he intervenes in the affairs of men. I know that if we yield to him, right, if we are faithful to do that which he has entrusted to us, I know that the Lord has a plan and a purpose for our children, for our grandchildren, for our offspring. Mm. I know that. And so here's and here's something else that I know. And, and this is I, you know, kind of shared this in exchange with a college friend a, a while back. Um, we weren't that great. And look at how the Lord protected us. <laughs> you understand? Like we, we, we were not born with halos. We were not, we, we didn't have some special knowledge or revelation where it was like, you know, no, but God in his faithfulness, God took, I, I look at my situation growing up in a fatherless home. And I look at my mom, I look at my mom struggling to keep the gospel in front of us, struggling to raise us so that the streets wouldn't raise us mm. growing up in new Orleans, the code code is inner city new orleans all right i mean right so that's it so so whatever picture you get of that right and i look at what my mom did and and so often you know i'll I'll say mom i don't know how you did it you know we have at often we just now recently have six but before it was always mom because we have five kids and it's me and will i would say and you had five (laughs) kids and it's just you and and she would say it's the lord what's the lord Mm. what's the lord And so why is that encouraging and why is that comforting to me? Because I know that I can put my full weight down on God. I know that. I know that I don't have to kind of like, ah, you know, I'm going to do all that I can. And then whatever else I can't do, I'm going to trust the Lord to do. No, I know that all of it is the Lord's equipping. Yeah, All of it is the Lord's empowerment. And I'm going to tell you something that will start to transform our culture start to transform our society, and I think it's already happening, mm-hmm. is that parents start to recognize that we've missed it. Yeah, We've kind of just let our kids kind of matriculate through the, <laughs> through the cultural expectations, right? We just let them go through that system, and we've expected that somehow on the other side of that, oh, we just, you know, grit and bear it, and then maybe they'll become Christians. But I think that what more parents are waking up to is that, hey, we, there's something that we have to do, which is we have to disciple our children. We've got to actively disciple our children. So what does that mean? That means that we no longer set them up with, you know, carbohydrates and sugar, <laughs> right? Like we no longer set them up with like juice and crackers. We have to make sure that we equip them with a knowledge of truth that is going to sustain them in the culture that they're living in. Yeah. Now, to that end, we want to kind of shift to what we ultimately want to get into today, this Another article to share with you. Right. But just also to make to underscore the point that there is no neutral approach to our kids in this culture anymore. If ever there was one. Right. I mean, maybe just the sinister approach wasn't as obvious. Right. um, But sometimes it seemed to us as Christians that it was neutral. Right. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. That's up to you to decide Uh, what we do know now. What we do know now is that there is an outright assault on children. And the reason for that assault is to wrestle them away from any Christian conviction. Mm. The idea is that by the time we are dealing with them as functional citizens, we will have created the type of people we want. Now you, you you might ask what, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. Well, that looks like people who vote the way we want them to vote.
2: And it's done while under our rule. Correct. Correct. Yes. (laughs) so we put the bill for everything.
1: It's really a good plan. (laughs) It's really, it's, it's, it's really, it is, it is the type of master plan that, uh, only somebody really wicked, you know, not to sound like the church lady, but it it really is a good plan (laughs) that only Satan could devise. Right. Like what, what, so we're, I mean, come on, I'm not going to waste my resources on this. Mm -hmm. The parents will pay for it and think they're doing a good thing. All the while, we will indoctrinate them while they sit at their table. This is this is this is what is going on. Why do you think that we saw an explosion and this explosion, by the way, we've done programs on this. This explosion happened um, after Barack Obama was in office. Two terms, I want to say around uh, 2012, 2013, 14, uh, somewhere around there, possibly even earlier but you saw an explosion in lgbtq plus characters in all types of media yeah so in um mainstream television and streaming and all of these things there was an explosion i read an article where there was a man who was talking about you know barack obama being to the lgbtq community what no other figure could have been he said it is okay for everyone to come out and not only come out but be celebrated hmm not only come out and be celebrated, and and basically he said, and so every LGBTQ plus, at the time that I was reading this article, it was not so much of a big deal with the plus, so it was really just <laughs> LGBTQ, right? It was LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. Um, but so everyone had to seize on that opportunity and strike while the iron was hot. <laughs> and so what did that <laughs> mean? Did. That, that meant a push <laughs> for representation. Yeah. Now, here's what we have to ask ourselves. We have to say, why is there why why all this talk about this specific type of representation? Why is it all around us? Why do we see more and more children, even in Christian homes, identifying as the opposite gender? Or if I really want to be you know up on the Times and, and speak with the, the 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 modern language, it would say, you know that there's not even it's not binary. It's not one or the other. Mm. It is just whatever, right? Uh, I'm not going to do that because that's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, there it's, it's just it's just absolutely insane. Yeah. But why is there a push to say you can be do whatever you want, and it's all around our children? It's like Dolby surround sound. It's
4: <laughs> it's all around. Man.
1: You know yeah. why why is it because wicked men understand something that the people of God should understand that what is around you has an influence on you. Mm-hmm. Right. We we understand this. Right. This is why the body of Christ becomes additionally. There's so much more to the body of Christ. But this is why the body of Christ additionally becomes such a blessing. Because what are we doing? We are surrounding ourselves with people of like faith mm-hmm. who believe the same things. Right. So and, and and we should knock this. It creates a culture where we all understand the things of God, where we are growing in the things of God. In fact, again. Toggling back to Ephesians, the apostle Paul is saying, man, the Lord gave all of these gifts to the body so that we could be built up so that we wouldn't be tossed back and forth like children, right. susceptible to every wind of doctrine.
2: And that's, you see, the reason why you said this in the in the beginning, the the uh, Satan's move to divide the body based on skin color and things like that. And now even that the body of Christ, you know, the church, the body of Christ wouldn't even get together. And, and, and have koinonia and fellowship. Right, you can see right. that strategy at work.
1: It's, it weakens us on all fronts. Yes. It weakens us on all fronts. So here's what parents have to do because everything matters. We've got to work harder than we've ever worked. We've got to vet what our kids are watching.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: We've got to scrutinize our kids' friends. This means that you're not just saying, hey, Oh, you like, okay, well, yeah, just go hang out. We don't, we don't, you've got to pay attention to what is going on. You've got to ask tough questions and you may not always like the answers that you get. We don't always like the answers mm-hmm. that we get, right. right? but by God's grace, we've committed to, but you will be able to speak freely. Okay. Mm-hmm. You will be able to say what it is that you think. And sometimes <laughs> you're thinking and you're like, and I don't want you to have my answer, uh, but truth be told, sometimes I do. Want you to have my answer. <laughs> right. Right. Right.
2: Yeah. But
1: you've got to build relationship. This is a discipleship relationship that you're in with your children. And it is significant now more than it has ever been Mm. rearing children is not just feeding them and clothing them and giving them a roof over their head. No, rearing children is discipling them, training them in the fear, raising them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord yeah. so that they are ready to be dispatched as faithful followers of Christ, not by osmosis, but because of rigorous training and the proof that the gospel is true. Mm. The gospel is true. It's not just a feeling. You're not just raising kids who will be like, oh, (laughs) right, because they can get that from Hallmark. (laughs) That's not what you want. Although sometimes the Holy Spirit will move on a person's heart where there will be a display of emotion, but that's not the proof in the pudding, right? The proof in the pudding is that a person can make a sound intellectual defense for their faith. They believe it because they know it to be true. The Holy Spirit has convicted them, has convinced them that what is said is true. That is the work of the Spirit. But guess what? This work begins in a context of safety mm. where there is not the automatic challenge, right? You're, you, hopefully parents do not stand up and teach their kids or sit down or however it is you're doing it with a series of contradictions. Mm. But you know, when we send our kids out before they are ready to defend the faith, that's, that's the equivalent. That's what we're doing. We're, We're trying to teach, but we send them out into a culture that is like a series of contradictions. We say that, God is so important to this family. He is first and foremost. He's the center of everything that we do. But then we send them to an environment that says, but not in education, not in the work that you do, not in your institutions of higher learning. So really just in our house. (laughs) Oh, and at church. In our house and at church, God is so important to everything that we do here and here. Okay, just those places. (laughs) Right. Right? So you cannot expect that any sharp kid, Any sharp kid is going to miss the contradiction because guess what? Those kids have their uh, contradiction meter set on high. I mean, they (laughs) they are waiting for you to do something other than what you said. You know it. Hey, Mm -hmm. didn't you say, hey, is that like they are ready? (laughs) Here Here is an article, and I was thinking about this because, Will, do you remember a couple of years ago, when we talked about uh, Dr. Lisa Littman of Brown University, you remember her research where she found that girls were getting together yes. and deciding that they were the opposite right. gender in clusters? Yes. Um, she talked about something called rapid onset gender dysphoria, where all of a sudden you have these kids who were perfectly fine, and then one day, they go to their parents and they're like, you know what? I want to be the opposite gender. Mm-hmm. And 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 she did research on this where she had like 256 some odd families. And what she found in her research was that the clinicians who were supposed to be, you know, um, counseling and talking to these girls. Uh, did not talk about their mental states, didn't talk about what was going on in their personal lives, all of the things that you might do when someone comes to you and says, hey, I want to be the opposite gender, and by the way, I also want to have a double mastectomy, <laughs> right? And so what Lisa Littman said is that we don't have enough research done into what's going on in these girls' lives behind the scenes. What she found, in her research, based on talking to the parents, and by the way, let me say this, Lisa Littman interviewed families who were not necessarily hostile to the idea of their kid transitioning. Mm -hmm. So she got factual information, not from a place where the parent was like, and I didn't want my kid to do this anyway. It was just like, yeah, no, we did this. And, but this is just what we found. This is just what happened. And overwhelmingly what she found is that girls were getting together because of peer influence, peer influence, these transition clusters. All right. Whereas once we used to get together, girls, all right, we used to get together and you might be able to go to a sleepover or something like that. And what was the biggest thing you're getting into? Um, maybe using red nail polish. Ah, you know, <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness, you better take this off before I go home. I can't wear red nail polish. <laughs> but now girls are getting together and you know what they're deciding? They're deciding that they're not girls anymore. So you can see how this is the hardest job. It has always been <laughs> the hardest job to do. But it just got harder. Right. Mm. Because everywhere that our kids exist. And I hate to say it this way. They're not they're not safe. It's its not like a oh, that's just innocent. No, everything has an agenda behind it. Everything. And I could I could tell you story after story. And these are anecdotes, of course, but I could tell you story after story of our kids and the experiences. And even with us having like, you know, what we consider to be a, a pretty small filter Mm -hmm. as far as what they're able to watch and and who they're able to be around and and what they're able to do. And that is that is our choice, because we believe that God has called us to raise children who will defend the faith and live for the glory of God in their generation.
2: Yeah. And so
1: it takes all of that, probably some stuff that we're not doing, probably some stuff that I fall asleep on. It probably takes that, too. But look at what's going on in California. California insurance commissioner is clarifying that insurance coverage on double mastectomies for gender dysphoric females is not cosmetic, but reconstructive and classifying normal breast tissue as abnormal structures of the body caused by congenital defects. In other words, yes, insurance companies will have to cover quote-unquote breast reconstructive surgery, double mastectomy, double mastectomies on women and girls because this is not something that they are simply electing to do. This is a move to fix something that was an abnormality. Mm. This is something (laughs) that was a defect. This is a birth defect. Healthy breast tissue, a birth defect. Wow. Now, why am I linking these things together? Because when you saturate the culture with confusion and then provide avenues for people to play to that confu- confusion, then you end up with a culture of chaos that is normalized. We got to grab the break. Aaron and the Addisons, stay right there. When I talk about the adversary and I talk about the enemy and you know what's going on around us and how we have to be you know vigilant, we have to watch, like you know, think there things are not just as they appear, we have to understand this. And the early church understood this, they understood why because Paul wrote by the Spirit of God that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, mm-hmm. so they understood that they understood that, yeah, there are principalities, that there are authorities in these places that man, our war is not against what we see, yeah. And for some reason that has been extracted from the church. Like we, that's like, do, 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 do. You know, it's like, (laughs) I mean, he didn't write it in secret. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like this, these, these are not the secret manuscripts you're seeking. Like this, these are the letters that circulated. Mm. Right. And so why all of a sudden do we think that if we are battling in a realm that we cannot see, um, we're going to continue to make strides by just trying to use the strength of our own hands.
4: Mm.
1: We have to seek the Lord. We have to do those things, spiritually speaking, that the Lord has written for us that we should do. Anyway, when I say things like that, you know what the kids say? You sound like Mama D. <laughs> <laughs> it's a compliment. I'll take it. Right. You, say, you, you, sound, you sound like your mom when you talk about the enemy. Well, because we have one. Like I don't, And I want you to understand that we have one. And, you know, as our kids have grown, they <laughs> have come to recognize they have come to recognize that there are spiritual implications involved in the things that we view and the things that we read, the things that we're talking about. And they have come to recognize that the culture is increasingly wicked. Look, they they have seen a change in what is in programming just in their short little lives. Right. Right. They have seen programs go from, you know, oh, like um, I was talking with Gabby the other day and she said how, you know why would they have a program that's geared toward four and five-year-olds where there are two mommies and they're worm characters? Like, why, why would they, you know, <laughs> so you know what crazy. I mean? Like, why would they? Yeah. And so they can see that this is set up, why? To indoctrinate. Right. This is set up to normalize for our kids that which is not normal. And when we allow our kids to be kind of carted off, to be indoctrinated, and when I say carted off, I don't, I don't mean physically carted off. I mean, they can be carted off right, off, right in your home. All right. Like if, if, you know, <laughs> anyway, secure the perimeter,
4: <laughs> secure,
1: secure your perimeter. All right. Let me give you the number. You can chime in here and we'll go back to this article. Just looking again, this is just outrageous to me. Um, what is going on in California? Uh, but just know that these things become like test cases. I feel like, you know, I feel like it's like, mm, can we try it out all across the country? You know, can can we have 13 and 14 year olds, um, you know, have healthy. <sighs> breast tissue removed and call it reconstructive
4: mm-hmm.
1: reconstruct anyways, eight 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 five eight nine eight eight four zero eight 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 five eight nine eight eight four zero. The reason our kids become our enemies is because there is, um, there are comp- competing ideologies that are not competing merely when the parent is absent. They're competing when the parent is right there, Yeah, right there. Yeah. And, and, telling your kid what is normal, what is to be expected. Listen to this, uh, just from, from this article. All right. Whereas the surgeries were once referred to as cosmetic, the state agency now refers to them as reconstructive and also categorizes physically healthy breasts as abnormal structures of the body caused by congenital defects, developmental abnormalities, trauma, infection, tumors or disease. Wow. <laughs> that's wow. that's look, that is the time that we're living in. And one of there was a a couple years ago there were a couple studies done that were actually funded by taxpayer dollars, by the way, 5.7 million dollars from the National Institutes of Health um looking into um, you know, transgender phenomenon and um reconstructive, I would say self, well, not self mutilating, um, but mutilating behavior Mm -hmm. by people who are supposed to do no harm, right? They're supposed to do no harm. I would say it's incredibly harmful, but there was a study done a couple years ago um, with one of the researchers, a woman by the name of Dr. Johanna Olson of Children's Hospital in Los Angeles, by the way, Um, they found that having, you know, healthy breast tissue removed um, by 13 and 14 year olds, um it was totally fine these These kids ended up fine, you know, um looking a couple years out, a couple years out, max five years out. these kids were fine and then, and I want you to hear this, this is a really short clip, and I'll tell you the rest of what she says um but when when pressed and asked about you know if these young girls thirteen and fourteen years old, mm-hmm. by the way, if these young girls should regret their choices. If they decide, oh, I made a mistake in having healthy breast tissue removed, I want you to listen. Here's her response. But so what we do know is that adolescents actually have the capacity to make a reasoned, logical decision. And here's the other thing about chest surgery. If you want breasts at a later point in your life, you can go and get them. Well, there there you mm-hmm. go. There you go. So you make a decision which we think that at 13 and 14, you know, you you can really make life transforming decisions, life altering decisions. We believe that you can do that. Now, hold on a second. Um, You cannot pay the same insurance rates as people over 25. All right. <laughs> but you can decide that you would like to have healthy breast tissue removed from your body. And in the event that you look back on that and you say, you know, um. We made a mistake. You know, there's no fingernail polish remover for that. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not going to wash yeah. out in like seven to 10 washes. Right. Like the, the, I'm thinking of the kinds of things that as girls we do or did, you know, when we got together and it's like, you know, you cut your bangs and then you keep cutting, thinking you're going to even them out. And then, all, man, all of a sudden you're just like, oh, send help. <laughs> there's no, there's no recovery. You've cut too much. Right. And, and how would you comfort yourself? Because in your teenage mind, you're a hairstylist. Extraordinaire. And, and so rather than look like Jim and the Holograms with the jagged hair, you just keep cutting, cutting, cutting. And then you look back, and then how do you comfort yourself? You say, well, you know, it's hair. It'll grow back. Guys, guys, 13 14-year-old girls are having healthy breast tissue removed. We cannot say to them, you know what, If you, it, it'll grow back. Yeah, you know, seven to ten washes. This is the culture that our kids are growing up in. This is what we have to deal with. So everything that we do matters. What kind of media our kids consume, what they're a part of, what platforms they're on. The conversations that they're having, what they're viewing. Yeah their entertainment what they find entertaining and let me tell you what they find entertaining is not very far down the street from what you find entertaining Mm. oh yeah it's in the same neighborhood it's in the same neighborhood that's huge same subdivision wow so we can't tell our kids hey no you don't watch that and then it's like you know they come in and and you're watching stuff that it's got (laughs) you know it sounds like it sounds like you just opened a safe every five seconds. Beep beep beep. You know, it's like you can't. Wh- mm. Why? You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're a hypocrite. What is it? Is a different Jesus for you, Mom? It's a different Jesus for you. No, it's the one Savior, the one Spirit of God indwelling us. So if it matters to God what you view, it matters to God what I view. Man, this is all hands on deck. If we're gonna, if we are going to stem the tide, if if we're going to stop the hemorrhage, man. You pull your head out of the sand, secure your mask, and then secure the mask of the person next to you. Yeah. So these things have got to be implemented in our own families. All right, Well, the Great. Let's go to the phone lines. Where do we go first?
2: All right, let's go to Gary in Oklahoma. Hi, Gary.
1: Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Doing fine. I I enjoy your show.
0: I just wanted to make a comment. Uh, I'm a grandpa, and I, I've i got grandchildren that's older now, but I stayed involved with them ever since they was little. And so Good. here's a thought I want to throw at y'all that the parents have to do and grandparents. We have to make sure that they're on the boat just like Noah and his family was. Mm. And they stayed mm. focused on what God was doing and realized that they have an enemy. His objective is to kill, steal, and destroy. Yes, he wants to kill Children, that uh, they're either male or female. He wants to destroy them so they will not have them. And and to steal away your family. Mm. You know, I mean, yeah. so we have to teach these children, if they're girls, how wonderful it is for them to be a woman. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. that's, that's right. That's what's going to
0: give birth to the next generation.
1: That's and right. And
0: boys, that they're going to grow up to be men they're going to be the priest in their families Mm -hmm. and to teach their children if we let them change what they are then that destroys the future of the family of what god would want them to be
1: yeah come on listen gary let me let me say this and and i i'm not trying to upset people unnecessarily all right but but let me just say this to gary's point the decline or the devaluing of women um did not start with the sexual revolution the devaluing of women as as god intended women to be valued in their roles as wives and mothers actually that is something that we have allowed to even grow in the church okay mm-hmm. like the way we like the way we can't really tolerate children so if you have a mom who is you know sees her chief and primary role as a wife to her husband and a mom to her kids. And then she goes to church and you're just kind of like, Oh, you have to bring the kids, the kids. Mm. Like what you're doing is you're knocking her role. You're, you're saying, ah, okay. You just got to suffer through that until you can do what you want to do, which is what, like, like what? Yeah. Like, you know, you you understand what I'm saying? Like until I, until I don't have to do what God uniquely designed me to do. Do you understand that that that's in cahoots with Mm. the ultimate agenda that we're we're working against? Right. But so many times what we do is we find ourselves sort of like, oh, nobody really likes this role. Uh, You know, this womanhood is tough and and we don't we don't really like it's not this is not valuable. I don't you know why? And and we normalize that. Oh, you having another baby? (laughs) Oh, okay. When (laughs) when you planning on stopping? Mm. Come on, man. Yeah. You know, a, a wife says, well, I'm going to check with my husband and see what he thinks about that. I don't know. I don't I don't want to really make that decision. You can't just come on. Just say just what do you think? <laughs> just just do it. Well, now you're knocking the role that God has given her. Right. That she submits to her own husband and everything. This is this is not permission to go use the bathroom, sir. Right. This is a model of Christ and the church. Yeah. Jesus Christ submitted to the father for the glory of God, that he might redeem us, reconciling us to God. And we feel bad when we say as wives, hey, you know, let me check with my husband and see if he's OK with that. Sure, I make my own decisions. But you remember that marriage is a picture of Christ in the church. You remember that the apostle Paul said to the Ephesians that this was a mystery that was concealed, but now it has been revealed to the apostles and to the prophets that salvation has come to the Gentiles. And then this beautiful picture of the church, furthermore, that God is glorified. Even the angels, even these these heavenly authorities are rejoicing and marvel at the wonder that is the church, that the Lord takes these people who like, you know, (laughs) I mean, We're not all that. And he makes us the body of Christ. Mm. All right. Will the Great, where do we go next?
2: All right, let's go to John in Texas. Hi, John. Hello, you guys. I want to say you are on
3: fire today. First, (laughs) you know, I really appreciate, again, the fact that you talk about children. You know, they, in my opinion, are the most precious thing that we do have. You know, I'm a father myself mm-hmm. and now a grandfather. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I was able to do growing up, considering my lifestyle, I was luckily saved by God. And I know my child, when he was having trouble and I brought him and took him out of the schools and brought him and did homeschooling, luckily I was able to do that, I asked him to bring forth all your books and he brought them all to me and I threw them away. He just looked at me all happy. <laughs> I I pulled out. The Bible. And I said, before you learn science and math and history, you need to learn the instructions for life. Come so on, we John.
1: Went, we,
3: yeah, we went through the Bible. I made him do book reports on the Gospels and things, you know, comparison between the Gospels, all sorts of things. Awesome. And it was for me, you know, now he's 32 years old. He's got two children and he never got in trouble, never. Got involved with drugs and things mm-hmm. like that, you know. And for participation in the parent and the child, I believe that a, the, one of the most important things a parent must do is listen to your child. When they say, mm-hmm. Dad, I want you, don't, okay, well, I'm watching you t- I'm busy. I'll get to you later. You Come can't on. That. You yes, that's right. And listen. That's the mm-hmm. most important thing because once they break the connection, you know, they go and make decisions just like we do every day, all day long. That's once right. Once they start becoming autonomous and make their own decisions, they don't need mm. to ask you anymore. And then all of a sudden you go, go and clean your room. Boy, I don't need to. And, you know, they don't listen anymore. So it's mm. most important maybe their deepest emotions and, oh, you know, Billy or some G- Jenny did this today, did that. And, and tell you, confer with you their deepest feelings and let that go through from adolescence to adult
1: john that is a wonderful place for us to come to rest Mm -hmm. that is great advice that is a wonderful encouragement and i would just echo that with an amen thank you so much for that call we're out of time today um we'll be back with you tomorrow lord willing until then
2: god bless